Hey, I'm Nick. And I'm Ricky. Welcome to the Demand Gen Daily Podcast. All right, part three of lifetime value and customer acquisition, why we believe the model works. How does it work getting into it? In the last episode, we talked about the elements of lifetime value being frequency of purchase, average purchase size, and then contribution margin on that side of the equation. So today we're going to get into customer acquisition costs, which has a bit of a simpler model, but it's also a lot bigger in terms of the things that marketing deals with. There's only actually like one real element to customer acquisition costs, and that's mitigating cost. <laughs> as is stated in the name, but don't so let easy. it fool you because yeah, it sounds so easy, but it's just, it's just like, I want you to acquire this customer, but for less. This is what we spend all of our time trying to figure out for all our clients is how do we get more for less? That's what everybody wants. Very easy to say, hard to do in the world that we live in today, but to get into it, Ricky, maybe start us off with the list, right? Cause there's no sure. shortage of items on this list. Yeah. So to start off with, if you're running online <clears throat> campaigns, ad optimization is like the biggest thing. Basically, if you're running campaigns to acquire customers, then uh, how well those campaigns run, whether it's the creative, whether it's the targeting, all of those factors, some of which you guys know about, all of those pieces that determine the performance of the campaign, we refer to those as basically is ad optimization. Optimizing those elements increases the output of those campaigns. So if your creative is twice as performant as it was previously, you would expect that the acquisition cost of your customers to go down for a multiple of reasons, whether it's quality score, whether it's just being more persuasive, there's lots of different reasons. So ad optimization is a huge one. Yeah. The next one we have on the list is here. This one's again, like all of these are obvious to say hard to do. So, you know, conversion rate optimization for anyone who doesn't know CROs, conversion rate optimization. Exactly. And there's a lot of elements to conversion rate optimization. Popular use of this tactic is once you have enough volume running to your landing pages and to your site, your e-commerce site, whatever it might be, like if it converts by two, 3%, if it can convert five, 6%, you're now doubling your sales by doing some conversion rate optimization, not paying any more for the ads than you currently are, right? So you get, you double your conversions, theoretically you should be able to double your revenue if things go the way that they should, which is a big maybe, but that is the hope. Yeah. And I just wanted to say really quick, Nick, um, some of the things, some examples of that, it's like optimizing your checkout experience, website speed, brand itself, how much trust do they have in the brand? And are you able to convey trust through things like testimonials, reviews, all of this stuff that helps people convert better? Yeah, those are all some of the things wrapped into Then we can get some other things like data quality, right? So server-side tracking, Ricky, any thoughts on this? Yeah, server-side tracking, we're talking about things like having your own database to increase the performance of the data that's coming through to your campaigns. If you're using uh, algorithms to as your campaigns, um, 
This basically improves the accuracy of the data. So then you get better performance optimization out of it. So, you know, whether it's using like the API through Facebook, whether it's using things like connecting your pipe drive with HubSpot to get your offline conversion tracking, there's lots of ways you can improve your data quality. And that just helps the algorithms optimize better. Also, I would say the next one is if you're not spending too much in ads yet, like if you're like under that 10k a month in in ad spend, scaling up campaigns to lower cost per result. We've seen time and time again, that there's this sort of like relationship where if you're not spending enough, you're actually as you spend more, everything actually gets cheaper. Obviously, like Mm. after a while, you have to start fighting the diminishing returns once your spend gets a bit higher. But at the beginning, that is that can be a real factor if you're not spending quite enough. This is where people use the kind of the if you're if you've ever worked in an agency, people have said they just want to dip their toe in to see how it works. And it's yeah, that works. Logically, it works, right? It works, but there needs to be a sort sort of minimal minimum level right where like it has to start in order for it to actually get the traction, have enough ad campaigns running, have tactics running that have synergies with each other. I think a lot of the items that we're talking about in terms of like ad optimization, CRO, content marketing falls under customer acquisition costs, like mitigation of cost. These things require synergies to work really well, right? Mm -hmm. You're running ads. If you're also capturing email addresses, doing the remarketing, then you're emailing people like the content, those people get put onto a sub list of remarketing because you're sending them all to like this white paper you have, all of a sudden you're creating synergies because you're not just getting the conversions off of the ad immediately. You're also getting all of these other things where you can follow up with people through your marketing. Email automation, texts. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of this falls under mitigation of cost. But the one thing that I do want to touch on here is that marketing, like marketing as a whole is a function of this CAC methodology, right? So mitigating costs, why does marketing exist? Marketing arguably exists because you can acquire a sale or a lead cheaper than if you were to hire a salesperson to do the whole funnel by themselves. So if you think about it, if you run an e-commerce store, If you shut down the ability to purchase online, what would you do? You'd have a retail store, you'd have a person in that retail store selling, or you'd have a door-to-door salesperson like they had a few decades ago, right? So we just have the ability to bypass the need for a salesperson through the e-commerce shop. But really, like if you look at 50 plus years ago, door-to-door salesmen, they were the marketer and the salesperson all in one individual. So what you're really doing is that there's like salespeople and there's some businesses that still do this today. Salespeople are both the marketer and the salesperson all in one because that salesperson needs to figure out that messaging to get that attention so that they can talk to that prospect. In other places, marketing does some of the lifting and sales does some of the lifting and the marketing exists because it's cheaper on a per unit basis than having the salesperson do the whole thing, right? So that's really important to understand in this mitigate cost, customer acquisition cost model. The reason marketing exists is because it's cheaper than a salesperson, right? And that's something that we have to keep top of mind. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to wrap it up, Nick. And just, you know, just to recap, if you didn't see our last episode, basically we've now covered LTV and CAC, frequency of purchase, average purchase size, contribution margin for lifetime value, and then for customer acquisition costs, all the different ways you can mitigate costs. Until next time. 